May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. In the summer of 2007, there was a drought in Alabama. There was a pastor there in a little country church who asked the people of his congregation to pray for rain. And he asked that each member of the church join a prayer vigil. A prayer vigil, if you don't know what that is, it's where folks take, a turn, take turns and pray for a certain period of time and then someone else takes over for a while. And so this little church, the people responded at, at, at any hour you could drive by the church or walk by and you would see the lights on and somebody would be in the church praying. Well, finally, one evening after several days, dark clouds rolled in and the rain began to fall and it came down and it came down and it came down in buckets. It rained for four days straight. The creeks overflowed, people were evacuated from their homes, and the water kept rising. The whole community was almost underwater. And as rescuers made their way in a boat through the floodwaters evacuating people, one of the boats passed by that little country church, which was now almost completely underwater. And as they passed by, there on the roof, they saw the pastor sitting up high with a big smile on his face and a great look of satisfaction. He was saying to himself as he saw the floodwaters around him, not bad for a small church, not bad. Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is an amazing statement. It's important, as you know, that we pray. It's equally as important that we pray together. We are a community. We are more than a community. We are a family. This saying of Jesus' is part of a larger passage that stresses the importance of family and of love for one another. I read a conversation that a missionary in India, whose name was Ruth Seabury, had one time she had a conversation with a Hindu social worker. And at one point, the social worker asked Ruth, do you think that most Christians know what they've got? And she was sort of puzzled by that question. And she asked him, what, what did he mean? Well, he said, every religion has a God. Every religion has an altar. Every religion has worshipers. Every religion believes in sacrifice. But only Christians have a savior. And only Christians have a congregation, a family. That's a good question for us to ask ourselves. Do we know what we have here? Do we appreciate, truly appreciate, what we have here? Of course, we're grateful that we have a Savior, eternally grateful. 
But we can't stress enough the importance of the church family here. We are not just a group of people who gather together just to enjoy ourselves on Sunday morning, even though we're fortunate and that we do that. We are the body of Christ. We are called to be a family. We see in our reading, first of all, that that family, that family of God, is responsible for one another. If your brother or sister sins, Jesus says, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. This is a tough teaching. Kind of hurts the ears a little bit. It's one that's often overlooked because many of us shy away from any kind of a confrontation. Live and let live, we say. But in this passage, Jesus is calling us as a community, as a family, to hold one another accountable for our behavior. Not to pass judgment, because that's for him to do. But to care enough about one another to say something. If we see a friend making a serious mistake, or about to make a serious mistake. I wrote a, I should say, I read a article that a Christian author wrote about praying for a married friend that she knew had become involved in an affair. One Sunday, she happened to be sitting behind this lady, this friend, in church. And she just leaned over, put her hands on her friend's shoulders, and whispered, be careful that you don't throw away something very beautiful. I'm praying for you. And that's all she said. The friend that was involved in the affair began to cry very softly. And she began to think about what her, what her friend said. And soon after, she broke off that affair. Well, years later, the Christian author says that she attended a high school graduation. And one of the young people graduating that day was the son of the woman who had been having an affair. The woman came up to her, gave her a big hug. She said, you were so right. If you had not spoken to me that day, I may have thrown away most everything that was important to me. Thank you so much. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their sins just between the two of you. Don't make a big deal out of it like she didn't. Do it in a loving way. Be kind. Keep the conversation between the two of you forever. Never, ever tell a soul, not even your partner or your spouse, but friends don't stand by and watch their friends ruin their lives. Family members don't do that either. Quite honestly, this is something that is very difficult for us to do. It requires a great deal of love. It also requires a great deal of courage. That's the first thing we see in today's reading. We have a responsibility for one another as the body of Christ. The second thing we see 
is the power of a praying church. Jesus says, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What an amazing statement. I will be the first to admit that I do not fully understand what Jesus is saying here. But I do know that there is power in prayer. And there is especially power in prayer when Christian people work together, pray together, laugh together, shed tears together. That is exactly what this church family does. We do all of those things. A Roman historian named Lucian, writing in the first century, described a man called Peregrinus, who was in prison. Christians in his community went to visit him in jail regularly. And Lucian wrote these words, quote, They show incredible speed whenever such public action is taken. For their leader, Jesus, persuaded them that they are all siblings of one another. End quote. Does it matter if Christians today and people today look out for one another? Recent studies indicate something that I found very shocking. And that is that only one person in five in our country today say that they have a real friend. One out of five. But what an opportunity. We have what folks desperately need and can't give. We have a Savior. We have Christian love and fellowship. We may not be great Bible scholars, but we can be a friend to one another, and we can be a friend to the people outside of the walls of this church and outside the walls of our homes. That's our calling, to be a caring, loving family, to reach out arms of sympathy and support to those who are in need, to laugh with those who laugh and to cry with those who cry. One author wrote that we can forget people that we've laughed with, but we never forget people that we've cried with. And I think that's very true. Anyone who has been through trying times and has felt the support of brothers or sisters will tell you how much it meant to them. I hear it time and time again within this congregation. How someone who recently lost a loved one, Teresa shared recently how much they've appreciated their church family at the loss of Alley. That's what it's about. Support, love, care for one another. One author wrote that well, his name was Chuck Colson. I don't know if you remember that name. It's from a ways back. Chuck Colson was a hatchet man for Richard Nixon in the days before Watergate, before they got caught. 
You may have read Colson's book called Born Again. It was a huge book back in the, I want to say, 80s. And in this book, he writes about those days of pain and those days of humiliation. And on the evening before Colson pleaded guilty to charges of obstructing justice, knowing that he was going to be going to prison, three men came to his home and stayed with him late into the night. It was ex-Senator Howard Hughes, ex-Texas Congressman Graham Purcell, and another worker named Douglas Cole. These three men didn't come to give him professional or legal support. They came only for one reason, and that was to pray with him and to give him the moral and spiritual strength to do what he knew was right. Their prayers didn't keep him from going to jail, but those prayers did help him to get through his prison ordeal, a wiser and better man, and it also helped him to touch lives all along the way. And because of Chuck Colson, there is a very widespread prison ministry that has touched the lives of many prisoners all over the country and continues to do so. What a great opportunity Jesus has given us. We are responsible for one another. There is power in a church that prays together and serves one another. And there's a reason for that. Why is there power in prayer? Because Jesus says this, For where two or three of you gather in my name, there I am with them. The whole meaning of the Christian faith starts with one word, relationship. It's about relationships. A relationship with God. A relationship with one another. As Frederick Buchner wrote, faith is not so much believing this thing or that thing about God as it is hearing a voice which says, come unto me. We hear the voice and then we start to go without really knowing what to believe either about the voice or about ourselves. And yet we go. Faith at this point is standing in the darkness. A hand is there. And we take hold of that hand. I think we take the hand of God and reach out into the darkness and we take the hand of a neighbor as well. That's the way God would have it. That is who we are. That is what we are about. Pastor David Utley tells about a Christian man who knew his time was very near. So he sent for all of his family to come home so he could see them one last time before he passed. After they had been home visiting with him for a while, he called all of them into his room because he was bedridden at this point. They entered the room. They formed a circle around his bed so he could see them all. And he told them, here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to go outside and I want you to find a stick. And I want you to bring that stick in here. Well, everybody got their stick and they came back in and they gathered around him. And he told them, one at a time, to 
break their stick in half. After everybody had broken their stick, he told them to go back outside one more time and to get another stick. Now, this seemed pretty strange to his family, but they did want to do what he asked them to because, after all, this would be the last time that they would see him. And so they did. They, got, they each got a stick, and they gathered around his bed. And he told them this time to pass the sticks around into one stack and to bring them all to him. And so they did so. They brought the bundle of sticks to him. And then he pulled out some fishing line, and he told them to tie the bundle tightly together at each end. And he said, there, now take that bundle, and I want you to take turns trying to break it. One by one, they all tried to break this bundle of sticks, and nobody could. Then he said, what I want you to know and what I want you to remember from this is that if you stick together, stay close together, it'll be a lot harder to break you. What's true of a family is also true of a church family. The closer we are to Jesus, and the closer we are to each other, the more we can change our world and the less we can feel despondent and sad about what's happening around us and feel broken. A country preacher sits on the top of his partially underwater church and he says proudly, not bad for a small church like ours. Time and time again, I see us accomplish things that no one in their right mind would think a congregation the size of ours could accomplish. And I think sometimes speak words very similar to those. Not bad for a little church like ours. Do we know what we have? We have what the rest of the world desperately needs. We have a Savior. We have each other. Let's invite others to be a part of this family. Amen.